live by faith. When we live by faith, when we buy a new home, uh, especially when we buy, say, a BTO flat, we trust that the flat will be completed. Right? So we put out payments, and we trust that that faith will come to pass. When we live by faith, when we buy concert tickets or sold-out concert, we meet with someone or we, we communicate with someone over carousel, we trust that this person is not a scammer, that we will get the tickets at the proper time. So we buy tickets by faith. You know, some of us think of faith as some kind of hopeful optimism, sort of like a, a kind of wishful thinking. We, we hope that circumstances will turn out okay. Maybe that's the way we understand faith. Now, I recently played football with my sons and some other youth and young men in church. My faith in my fitness was quickly dashed against the reality of my middle-aged body. I realized that no matter how much faith I had, I was still stiff and sore the next day. Thankfully, biblical faith is much better than my dubious self-belief. Biblical faith is not wishful thinking. Biblical faith is not hoping for the best. It's not some kind of blind optimism that ignores the difficulties of real life. No, biblical faith is genuine and is necessary if we are to persevere to the end. You know, if you look at the end of chapter 10 in Hebrews, you find a couple of verses that emphasize the necessity of faith as Pastor Gentai preached for us last week. Chapter 10, verse 37, My righteous one shall live by faith. Verse 39, We are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Faith is needed if we are to make it to the end. But what does it mean to have faith? Is the Bible just calling us to some kind of optimism? Hope for the best. What does it mean to have faith and do we belong to those who have faith? Now, examples of faith can be powerful. I remember uh, my JC classmate who brought me to church all those years ago. And he was a good example of faith to me. He showed me what it looked like to live as a Christian while we were in school together. And indeed, many of us can think of people in our lives who have inspired us by their faithful examples. And some of us read good biographies for inspiration. And recently I was so encouraged by reading Don Carson's book, Memoirs of an Ordinary Pastor, which is about his dad and how his dad was a faithful pastor in French-speaking Canada. Now, a good missionary biography that I look forward to reading is To the Golden Shore, an account of the life of Adoniram Judson, pioneer missionary to Burma. If you're looking for a good missionary biography, I highly recommend that to the golden shore. These are all examples of faith. And, and Hebrews 11 is what's known as the Bible's Hall of Faith. Hebrews 11 gives us many examples of biblical faith. Right? Who are those who have faith? As it says in verse 39 of chapter 10, well, Hebrews 11 gives us the answer. These are those who have faith. These are men and women in the Old Testament who live by faith, and they are examples to us. They show us how to endure how to persevere to the end by trusting God. So the big idea of our passage is this. Persevere in Christ by following examples of faith who show us what faith is and what faith does.
Those are the two big points for our sermon this morning. What faith is and what faith does. So we begin by thinking about what faith is. Let me read verse 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So the, the chapter begins by defining what faith is. And we realize that this definition of faith is fundamentally different from how the world understands faith. Biblical faith is not some kind of hopeless optimism, but rather faith trusts God to keep His promises. You know, hope looks forward to what God has promised. That's hope. And faith trusts that God will keep His promise. So that's how faith and hope are related. Faith is founded not on our own sense of well-being, our own optimism that things will be okay. Rather, faith is founded on God's character and God's Word. And the best way to strengthen our faith is not to look inwards, the best way to strengthen our faith is to look outwards. And we feed our faith by feasting on God's promises. So the certainty of our faith doesn't depend on us. Because biblical faith is about being sure about God. As chapter 10, 20 says, Because he who promised is faithful. Therefore what matters most isn't the quantity or quality of our faith, you know, oftentimes we, we talk to someone and we say, how much faith do you have? Actually, that's not the best question to ask. What matters most is the who of our faith, right? the, the object of our faith. Who are we trusting in? Who are we having faith in? Let, let, let me give you this illustration. You know, some of us love to fly. Some of us love being on planes. And, and we like the, the, the experience of just flying from place to place. Some of us hate flying. Some of us get nervous on planes, we get worried. So imagine two passengers on the plane. Uh, one is happy, relaxed, calm, looking forward to a holiday. Uh, the other is nervous and worried. The question is, who will arrive at their destination? Well, both will, right? So, so that, that's exactly what faith is, right? They, they trust, not in themselves to get them to the destination, but they're trusting in the reliability of the plane. Right? That, that's what counts. It, it's not how they feel, but it's the reliability of the plane. In the same way, that, that's how biblical faith is working. It doesn't matter how we feel, but what really matters is the reliability of the one in whom we trust. He's the one who gets us to our destination. Our assurance rests on God, who is true to His Word. How can we be sure that God is true? Well, God has already kept His greatest promise to send His Son, Jesus Christ, to save sinners like us. But we have been unfaithful to God, who made us to know Him and to trust Him. But instead of believing God, we have trusted not in Him, but in ourselves, thinking we know better. That, that's sin. That's the definition of sin. That we trust in ourselves rather than trusting in the Creator who made us. You know, we live life without reference to God. And we have all sinned against God in this way. And we all deserve His righteous judgment. But God, who is gracious and merciful, He promised a Saviour. 
And in the fullness of time, God kept His promise. God spoke by His Son, as we heard in chapter 1 in Hebrews. He sent Jesus to save sinners like us. Jesus has come at the better sacrifice. He's come as the better high priest who's opened up the way for us to come back to God. And He died for sinners, bearing God's wrath in our place if we repent and believe in Him. Jesus rose from the dead to give us new life, and by trusting in Christ alone, we are forgiven, and we are made right with God. So faith looks back on what Jesus has done, and faith trusts Him. That's faith. Faith also looks forward to what God will do in the future. You know, now that Christ has come, we look forward to His return. We hope in His coming back where He will fully fulfill God's promises to His people. So if, if we are in Christ, then we shall be raised with Him in glory. If, if we are in Christ, we shall enter God's rest and dwell in His presence forever and, and know His perfect peace and joy. So what faith does is that faith takes this future hope that we have in Christ and faith brings it into the present so that we live differently in light of this future hope. You know, some of us may be familiar with this concept of a trust fund. Right? Some wealthy individuals, they, they set up a trust fund for their children. Right? So what happens in a trust fund is that a trust fund has beneficiaries, usually the children, and their wealth is held in trust until the children come of age. But in the meantime, often the children have responsibilities. Right? They are to live in a certain way so that they inherit what's promised to them in the trust fund. Right? In a similar way, God has set up a trust fund for us. We are the beneficiaries. And God calls us to live differently in the present, in light of this future benefit that we'll have in Christ. We will inherit because Jesus ensures that. But that means that we, we live differently now. Right? So our future hope transforms how we live now. And that's faith. Faith helps us to live a different life in light of that future hope. Now, Hebrews 11 highlights this key quality of faith. That faith believes despite not seeing the promises fulfilled. Verse 1 says, Faith is the conviction of things not seen. That's why Scripture sets up an opposite. Right? We, we walk by faith, not by sight. Faith believes without seeing, yet sees by believing. Think about that. Faith believes without seeing, yet sees by believing. The eyes of faith see the invisible. Because we are convinced that God will keep His promises. You know, the Old Testament believers lived by such faith. Although they did not see God's promises fulfilled in Christ, they, they kept trusting God to their dying day. They obeyed God in radical ways. And by the example, they challenge us to follow them by living today in view of tomorrow. That's what it means to live by faith. 
Will we follow their example? You know, how will living by faith change our desires and decisions? How will living by faith change our goals, our priorities, our ambitions for ourselves, for our children? How will living by faith change how we use our time, our abilities, our money? So that's what faith is. So what does faith do? Let's look at the rest of the chapter, from, chapter, from verses 3 to 40. What does it look like to live by faith? The rest of Hebrews 11 presents us with a series of Old Testament examples, beginning in Genesis, to show us what faith does. You know, notice how the author doesn't tell us the entire life stories of this Old Testament character. But instead, the, the author of Hebrews highlights particular details of their lives. And these details reveal seven aspects of what faith does. So these seven aspects show us what it means to live by faith. So if, if we say we're living by faith, then our lives should reflect these seven characteristics of living by faith. So number one, faith believes God's word. Let me read verse 3. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. You know, how did the world come into existence? You know, I trust that none of us was there at creation. You know, none of us saw the creation of the universe. So how do we know? Well, we affirm by faith that God made all things. Why? Because his word tells us so. Right. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created something out of nothing by speaking the universe into being. So how do we know all these things? By faith, we, we trust what God's word says. Well, believing God's word doesn't mean that we will understand everything perfectly well. We may still have questions or even doubts. But faith is a humble posture of heart that trusts God, that takes God at His word. Faith seeks understanding from God. And we can bring our questions and doubts to Him. Faith submits to God's truth. We can know what He has revealed, but the secret things He has not revealed belong to Him. You know, we, we live in a, a time where more and more the world encourages us to embrace unbelief, to embrace uncertainty as an end in themselves, as though those things were good things. Right? It's good to doubt. It's good to be uncertain. It's good to not believe. Well, the world hold, increasingly holds these things out as good things. In fact, the world tells us that it is arrogant to be so sure of objective truth. Yet, you know, this, this advice may appear modest, except that those who say it seem to sound pretty sure that they are right. But we believe that God has spoken, hasn't He? So praise God that He has not left us to figure things out on our own, but He has revealed Himself to us and He's spoken to us by His Word. So faith believes God's Word. Faith pleases God. That's point number two. Faith pleases God. Let me read from verse 2 and then from 4 to 6. Verse 2, For by it the people of old received their commendation. 
And verse 4, By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So how do we please God? Is it by performing all sorts of religious rites and rituals? Well, Hebrews 10 tells us God takes no pleasure in sacrifices and offerings. So what God really wants of us, what God desires of us is not external religiosity. But what God wants of us is us. He wants us. He wants our wholehearted devotion to Him. And, and this desire of God for His people, this is true for people in the Old Testament, and it's true for us today. Right? Verse 2, by faith the people of old received their commendation. Isn't it marvelous that God is pleased with us when we trust Him? God is pleased with us when we trust Him. You know, first, we have the example of Abel, verse 4. You know, Adam and Eve had two sons, Cain and Abel. In Genesis 4, both brought offerings to God. Cain brought grain or fruit, while Abel brought the firstborn of his flock. Now, the question is, why did God accept Abel's offering but not Cain's? It was because Abel offered his offering by faith, Hebrews tells us. Abel believed God. Abel believed that God would save through the death of a sacrifice. Cain, by contrast, did not have faith. You know, notice how Cain went through the religious motions. You know, Cain might be a religious churchgoer, say, you know, who comes, goes through the motions, but Cain's heart was far from God. Cain did not trust God, did not have faith in Him. And therefore, Abel is the one whom God counted righteous by faith. And although Cain murdered his brother, Abel's example still speaks to us today, encouraging us to believe in Jesus, the only true acceptable sacrifice. Abel offered a sacrifice from his flock. Jesus' blood was shed for sinners that we might be forgiven that we might be brought back to God. And only through faith in this sacrifice, in Jesus, can guilty sinners like us please God. Enoch is another example of pleasing God by faith. Genesis 5 says Enoch walked with God. And Enoch shows that faith involves a daily personal relationship with God. It involves an ongoing walk with God. And it is impossible to please God without faith because it is only by faith that we know God for who He truly is. It is only by faith that we draw near to Him. It's only by faith that we believe that He is pleased with us when we trust Him, that we draw near to Him. By faith, we believe that God has provided a high priest who has opened up the way for us to walk with God to know Him, and to rest in Him. Faith assures us 
of God's favour when we come to Him through Jesus. Oh, friends, be encouraged to seek God. You know that you can please Him by trusting in Him. He will surely reward you with life, with love, with peace, with joy and hope in Christ if you trust Him. God is pleased when we draw near to Him by faith. Number three, faith trusts and obeys. Let me read from verses 7 to verse 22. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful, who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people, speak, people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But, as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. He who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac, shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones, and so on. Let me stop there at verse 22. So these next set of examples begin with Noah, and then they go through the founders of Old Testament Israel, the patriarchs. Abraham, his wife, Isaac, then Abraham's descendants, Abraham and Sarah, and then Abraham's descendants, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. So faith is the only thing that they have in common, uh, because they trusted in God's promises, they obeyed God's commands. We are saved by faith alone, but not just by faith alone, but faith that works. Right? Saving faith works. It produces the fruit of obedience. Right? These examples show us that faith is active, not passive. If we trust God, we will also obey Him. Faith trusts and obeys. Now, these examples show us that faith leads us to obey God even when it doesn't make worldly sense to do so. Now, this obedience of God 
that is shown by these examples is counter-cultural. It doesn't value what the world values. You notice how Noah believed God's warning of a com coming flood while that event was still unseen. Noah obeyed God and then Noah was prompted to build an ark on dry land. You know, think of how absurd Noah must have looked to his contemporaries building a boat on dry land. This doesn't make sense. But God declared Noah righteous by faith. And Noah's obedient faith saved his household. You know, faith understands that what ultimately matters is God's approval, not the world's acceptance. I think Noah presents us with a question, doesn't he? Are we trying to please God or man? We need to realize that the cross of Christ is folly to the world. But if we repent and believe in Jesus, we shall be saved. But when God called Abraham to go to the promised land, he trusted and obeyed. He left the familiar comforts of home, although he did not know where God was leading him. But Abraham went because he believed God's promises. And Abraham kept believing, though he did not possess the land in his lifetime. Now, if you go back to read in Genesis, all that Abraham had of the promised land was a small plot of burial land for his family. That's all Abraham had, and he had to purchase that. His descendants, Isaac and Jacob, likewise, lived in tents as strangers and exiles without a permanent home. You know, none of them received the promised inheritance. None of them took possession of the land. But faith trusts and obeys, even if it doesn't make worldly sense. You know, faith calls us to rest ourselves in the Lord, to lean on Him and not our own understanding. That's faith. And faith is lived out in our day-to-day -day lives as we do things that may not make sense to the world, but we do things because they please God, because they are obedient to Him. That's what it looks like to live by faith. Living by faith means breaking off a relationship with a non-Christian and trusting God with your desire for marriage. Living by faith means turning down a job, turning down a promotion, if it hinders you from loving your wife or husband and your children. Living by faith means forsaking comfort and convenience to welcome and care for a stranger to be hospitable to someone you don't know, to someone in need. Now, those are just small examples of what it means to live by faith, to do things that seem strange to the world, but show confidence in God. You know, by faith, Abraham's wife, Sarah, believed God would enable her to conceive the promised son, although she was way past the childbearing age. Abraham himself, in terms of having children, his body was as good as dead. He was about 100 years old. But what is impossible with man is possible with God. God is able to give life to the dead. God is able to raise up countless offspring for a barren couple. 
By faith, Abraham obeyed God's command to sacrifice his son Isaac, although it made no sense. If God's plan is to be fulfilled through Isaac, how will God keep his promises if Isaac is dead? But Abraham believed that God would keep his word, even if it meant raising his son from the dead. And God, indeed, provided a sacrificial substitute to take Isaac's place. And figuratively speaking, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. Isaac foreshadows the offering of a greater son. He spared Isaac, but he did not spare his own son. Jesus died as a sacrificial substitute for sinners like us. But with Jesus dead, how would God be able to fulfill his promises? Well, God raised his son from the dead. And we trust him because of the resurrection of Christ. Abraham's descendants, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, they all lived by faith. You know, notice how Hebrews doesn't talk about what they did in their lifetimes, but Hebrews focuses actually just on what they said on their deathbed. Although they died without seeing God's promises fulfilled, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph continued to trust and obey God. You know, some of us are more senior here than others, and we may be wondering what it looks like to finish well. Well, finish well doesn't mean that our earthly lives are comfortable and successful. Finishing well doesn't mean that we have successful children, even. You know, finishing well means that we continue to trust in God, regardless of our circumstances, even if we never see the fulfillment of God's promises in our lifetime. That's, that's the example of Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. That's what it means to finish well, to still walk by faith, to have a heart that is rejoicing in God, not a heart that is bitter and complaining about life circumstances, but a heart that rejoices in God because we trust Him, even though we haven't received the promises in hand. That's what it means to finish well. We believe God's promises in death, and we pass away. But the testimony of our faith echoes through the generations. That's what it means to finish well. These Old Testament believers remind us that this passing world is not our home. They did not live for worldly gain. In fact, if, if they were living for worldly gain, they could just turn back, go back to where they came from. That's what Hebrews says. They could have just gone back to their cities of origin, continue with life as they, they had known it before. But no, they were not looking for worldly gain. They were looking for a heavenly city whose designer and builder is God. Therefore, although the promises remain unfulfilled in their lifetimes, they did not go back. They did not return to the world, but they persevered. Verse 16 says, As it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared for them a city. Oh, beloved, this life will be full of setbacks. This life will be full of disappointments. This life will not work out the way we wish it would. That's reality, isn't it? We live in a broken world. We live in a fallen world. Many of us have messy relationships. We face all kinds of discouragements. And when we are tempted to drift away, 
when we're tempted to give up, when we're tempted to lose heart and to go back to the world thinking that that's better, that life will be easier, remember these words, that we look forward to a better city. Better city. Remember that our citizenship is not here, it's not in our present circumstances, but our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus. He will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body. Because Jesus is better, we are headed for a better country, a heavenly one. In this world, we will have trouble. But take heart, Jesus has overcome the world. And this is what I pray for for our new baptisms this morning. They've professed faith in Christ. Delia, Emma last week, well, Emma last week, Enzo, Eugene, Yvonne last week. And my exhortation to you all is to press on in Christ. You've begun the race, continue running it. Press on in Christ. We are bound for the promised land where sin, sickness and sorrow and death will be no more. And I love the line from the old hymn, you know, Jerus- Jer- Heavenly Jerusalem is our happy home. God has promised to prepare an eternal city for us. You know, he's not ashamed to be called our God. You know, think about that. The everlasting God, the almighty God, the sovereign God, He's not ashamed to be called our God. Why should we be ashamed to be known as His people? Number four, faith says no to sin. Let me read from verses 23 to 27. By faith, Moses, when he was born was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful. They were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the, of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. You know, Moses was raised by Pharaoh's daughter and Moses grew up in luxury. Worldly treasures were his, worldly pleasures were his, and Moses could very well have stayed on in Egypt and satisfied his wildest dreams, right? Satisfied all his fleshly desires, kind of lived the life in Egypt. But Moses rather chose to suffer with God's people instead of enjoying the pleasures of sin for a season. Why? Now, why choose suffering over sin? Now, why choose pain over pleasure? Well, Hebrews tells us only by faith. Moses decided to follow God, he trusted God. And faith says no to sin because faith sees through sin's lies and empty promises. It is only by faith that we see sin's pleasures will not last. Now, yes, sin will make us feel good for a moment, but faith sees that that pleasure we experience is so fleeting. Now, sin ultimately brings shame and sorrow. Faith sees that. Now, it, it is like the adulterer who indulges in a night of sensuality only to awake the next morning to a lifetime of pain. Faith understands that the wages of sin 
is death. And more than that, faith understands that the joy of following Jesus is far better than anything sin could ever pretend to offer. You know, look at verse 26. Moses considered even the reproach of Christ greater wealth. He considered suffering with Jesus even better than all the treasures of Egypt. Why? Because Moses was looking forward by faith to true reward. Faith seeks for true reward. And by faith, Moses saw suffering with Jesus to be much better than the pleasures of sin. By faith, Moses looked forward to the eternal reward that only Christ can give. Oh, friends, when we are tempted to sin, you know, preach the gospel to ourselves, tell ourselves and tell one another when we are tempted to sin, that Jesus is better. Jesus is better. The next time you're tempted to open that web, to open that browser, next time you're tempted to raise your voice, next time you're tempted to be selfish, to make it all about yourself, you know, remind yourself, Jesus is better. Jesus promises to all <clears throat> who follow him eternal reward. John Piper says these insightful words. He says, The root power of sin is severed <coughs> by the power of a superior pleasure, a more compelling joy. So we fight sin not just by realizing how sin is bad, but we fight sin by realizing how good Jesus is. You know, we, we let joy in Christ motivate us to be holy. That's why faith says no to sin. Because faith trusts in Jesus. Trust that he's really better. Faith also stands firm in the face of sinful opposition. By faith, Moses' parents protected him and were not afraid of Pharaoh. By faith, Moses led Israel out of Egypt. And he endured. How? By looking to God with the eyes of faith, seeing him who is invisible. Oh, beloved, how may we struggle with the fear of man? Are we living life based on the approval or disapproval of someone? No, live by faith. Maybe some of us don't share the gospel with others because we worry about what they may think of us. But trust God to make us bold for the gospel. Faith in God drives out the fear of man. Number five, faith looks to God who saves. Look at verses 28 to 31. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient, because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Believing God's word, Moses had faith that the blood of the Passover lamb would truly rescue the Israelites from God's judgment. By faith, the Israelites trusted God to provide a way of escape by opening up a path through the Red Sea. And by faith, they walked into the sea, trusting that God would keep it dry. Because Joshua believed God would give Israel victory over Jericho, he followed the strange battle plan of walking around the city for seven days. Doesn't make sense. 
Rahab hid the Israelite spies because she trusted God, was on Israel's side. You know, that a pagan prostitute can be saved shows the limitless reach of God's grace. You know, by friends, regardless of who you are, where you come from, or what you've done, God's grace is greater than your sin. Faith looks to God who saves. And faith believes that God saves through surprising, unexpected ways. His ways are higher than ours. We may not always understand how God works, but we can trust Him to work all things for our good and for His glory. Jesus did not come to establish a worldly kingdom through worldly might. Instead, He saves through His surprising, unexpected sacrifice of Himself. He is the humble, lowly Lamb of God who was crucified to take away the sin of the world. And He defeated death by dying and rising from the dead. In Christ, we have a great salvation. Therefore, let's step out of our comfort zones by faith. We can be bold and take godly risks for the gospel. speak, Speak of Jesus to a family member, a friend, a colleague, a neighbor, stranger, you know, we, we, we can, by faith, do inconvenient, uncomfortable and difficult things for the glory of Christ because we trust that this God is able to save. Number six, faith conquers through weakness and suffering. Let me read from verses 32 to 38. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, women received back their dead by resurrection, some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life, others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment, they were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword, They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute and afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. As the the author wraps up his list of examples, he mentions several judges, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, Samuel, mentions King David, and these are all men of faith. But you notice how these men that he mentions, these men were not without their faults. Gideon struggled to trust God. Barak was a somewhat fearful man. Samson was impulsive, immoral. Jephthah made a rash and foolish vow to offer his daughter in sacrifice. David committed adultery and murder. Even Samuel himself was callous in appointing his ungodly sons to be judges after him. These men were not sinless, but they trusted God. They trusted in the God who justifies the ungodly by His grace. Like them, we are flawed people. We are weak and flawed. And this is why it is by faith, not by works. I think Hebrews 11 is given to us not to put these men and women on a pedestal. Our faith is not in them. Our faith is never in great people, but in the great God. You notice what verse 34 says, they were made strong out of weakness. Believers like Daniel stopped the mouths of lions, 
Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego quenched the power of fire. Elijah and Elisha raised the dead. But you notice that this list is not all triumph, right? It's not all victory. Because the author goes on to say, about, goes on to talk about the suffering of God's people. Jeremiah was in prison. Zechariah was stoned. Isaiah was said to have been sawn in two. These men and women of faith were destitute, despised, and forsaken. The world's history books make no mention of anyone in Hebrews 11. But their names are forever written in God's book of life. And that's what really matters, doesn't it? It doesn't matter if the world forgets you. Uh, the, the world saw these men and women as worthless. But the world was not worthy of them. These men and women of faith accomplished great things by trusting in the great God, just as Jesus conquered through the weakness of the cross. So we conquer through weakness and suffering. So God's power is made perfect in our weakness. We can take heart. In Christ, we shall rise again to a better life. We have a better hope of a better resurrection. Finally, Faith waits for God's promises, verse 39 to 40. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. These Old Testament believers show us that faith waits patiently for God to fulfill His promise. God is faithful to keep His word. The Old Testament believers persevered in faith, although they did not receive what was promised in their lifetime. But beloved, God has provided something better for us. God has spoken to us now by His Son. God has fulfilled His promises by sending His Son. Under the Old Covenant, the animal sacrifices could not cleanse from sin and guilt. But now that Christ has come, we have been made perfect if we trust in Jesus through His death and resurrection. Oh, beloved, if God has already kept His promise to send His Son, then surely we can trust Him to glorify us when Jesus returns. You know, like these Old Testament believers, we will also die in faith. We wait for the fullness of what God has promised. Now is not our best life. Praise God that we look forward to something far better. As Paul says in Romans 8, the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. While we live in the gap between promise and fulfillment, we live by faith until faith turns to sight. So beloved, don't give up. Our faith is not wishful thinking, but it is certain. So wait patiently for God's promises. Jesus is coming back. Let's pray together.